Good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to you. If this is your first time with us or maybe your first time in person, a special welcome to you as well. If you're worshiping with us online, we are so glad that you are with us and we hope and pray that throughout our time together, you do feel connected to this family and this community, even while you are worshiping from afar. I want to remind you, if you are online, that we have online hosts who are available all throughout the service to answer any questions you have, to pray with you, and I encourage you to engage in that chat. We Again, we want you to feel connected to what's going on here at Springbrook, so participate in that. Click the, requ- the request, man, I have trouble saying this every week, request prayer button on the right-hand side, and one of our hosts would just be delighted to spend time in prayer with you this morning. Well, again, I want to welcome you. If we haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Bethany, and I am the worship director here, and it is just our honor and privilege to spend time in worship with you. Today, our call to worship comes from Matthew chapter 11. It says, come to me, this is Christ speaking, come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Christ offers us this opportunity to trade our burden for his. He invites us not to leave our problems at the door when we come into worship, but to bring them with us and then to unload them and leave them with him at the foot of the cross. He trades that for us and leaves us with his grace and his mercy. What a miracle that is. What a joy. Let's stand. Let's worship together, singing praises to our only king forever. Forever, forevermore, you are 
to reconcile the lost, to redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side. Knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for our sake, you died. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, a God who is good and kind. Romans 2, 4 tells us that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. And in Proverbs 28, it says that those who confess and forsake their sins will find mercy. So we don't confess our sins as a people without hope. We don't confess because we aren't already forgiven. We confess because we are, because we already have this promise of God's mercy. So we're going to sing this song of confession because we all still fall short, right? We have things in our lives that we need to bring and lay down before the Lord. But we sing this song with hope, knowing that he's already given us his grace. He's already given us his mercy. Let this be a song that allows you to recommit yourself to that covenant relationship with a God who is kind, the God who loves you, the God who has promised you his mercy. Let's worship together.
before the Lord together in prayer. Heavenly Father, for what we have done and left undone in this week, we ask you for your forgiveness. We come as a people who live in the already and the not yet of your kingdom. We're already saved. Christ has already come. He has already conquered death. Your kingdom has not yet come in its fullness, and so we still fall, and we still mess up. Every single day we make mistakes. And if it weren't for Christ, those mistakes would keep us from you. But you want us, and you love us, and so you made a way for us to know you so that those mistakes can't keep us away from you anymore. And so when we confess our sins, we do so in joy and in freedom, knowing that we already have your mercy. We have your forgiveness. Even though the offerings that we bring are broken and imperfect in Christ by his blood, you see them as worthy and beautiful. Father God, I pray for each one in this room. I am moved deep in my soul to see so many people back in this room after a year of heartache and we're not through it yet and we know that but we see the light at the end of the tunnel we see spring starting to come around the corner and we are so grateful that you have brought us through we thank you for your faithfulness I just pray for each one in this room or those who are worshiping from home that there would be a sense of your presence Holy Spirit make each one aware of your nearness to them we all have things that we are carrying that are heavy. We ask for the faith to lay them down at your feet to believe that you can handle it. Christ has overcome the world, so we don't have to. Allow us to rest in your all-sufficient grace this morning. And Holy Spirit, will you come and open our eyes today, open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have for us in your good and perfect word. So we know you've got work to do in us and through us. Help us be attuned to you. Help us be submissive. Help our hearts to be tender to you and your word this morning. We love you. We love you. All of this is for you. We pray this in Christ's matchless name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Mercy and grace, two great gifts from God, right? Love that song. And I pray this morning that you are able to experience that mercy and grace that is available to us through Christ. We are so glad that you are with us this morning, whether you're in person here or online. Um, we're glad that you're with us. If you are watching online, I would like to invite you to take a few moments to fill out that online connection card. There should be a link up at the top or right there in the chat. Um, just let us know that you are with us uh, this morning. If there's any way that we can pray for you, um, our online hosts are available as well. So you can just click the request prayer button and our online hosts would love the opportunity to pray with you this morning. And if you're in person with us this morning, we're glad you're here. Uh, you've got a connection card that's on the chair next to you. And so we'd like to ask you just to take a few moments uh, to fill that out. Let us know that you were here as well. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, you can share those down towards the bottom, and there's a place for you to drop those off on your way out um, this morning. But we're so glad that you're with us today as we kick off this new series 
uh, through the book of Leviticus. It's going to be a great series. I'm looking forward to it. I also want to let you know that next Sunday we're starting our second 11 a.m. in-person service. And so we're excited about that. So yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. And so we want to encourage you, if you have children, um, we're going to be opening up our children's ministry as well. So our teachers have been preparing and praying and they're ready to start receiving kids. And so, uh, but we have a limited number of spaces. And so if you have children, you're going to make sure to go online and register uh, to get your spot for them before you uh, arrive. And so you can go to our website, springbrook.org. We've got all the information about our second service, our children's ministry. Uh, if you just want to register your kids directly, you can go to springbrook.org slash kids. Uh, you'll be able to register them there. And also, I just want to let you know that uh, we are firing up our second service. All of our ministries are starting to uh, come back to start to work together. And we've got a lot of openings, a lot of opportunities for people to serve. And so um, I know it's been a nice opportunity for some people to get a break. And we're looking forward to jumping back in. Uh, right now, our worship production team is praying specifically uh, for some people that might know how to run lighting, a soundboard, camera, maybe media, if you know anything about PowerPoint, uh, ProPresenter, those kind of things. So if you're interested in just working on the stage, um, we're getting ready for our Easter uh, stage decor. And so if you're interested maybe in helping with our decor team, uh, if there's any place that you're interested in jumping in to serve, we would love the opportunity um, to talk with you. So you can go to our website, springbrook.org. There's a place for you to click the link there if you're interested in serving. Or you can just go straight to springbrook.org slash serve. In fact, if you have not yet downloaded our app, um, you can do that as well. Just all you have to do is text 77977. That number, text Springbrook, uh, Springbrook app, and you'll be able to uh, download our app. We've got all of our serving opportunities open uh, there as well. In addition to production, we're looking for people that would be interested in hosting and greeting people and helping people find seats. And so we've got over 50 spots for people uh, to jump in and start serving. And so if you're interested in getting connected or learning more about Springbrook, uh, just check out our website or you can download our app as well. Uh, You've got the text information for you there as well. Well, we celebrated our, our annual meeting ministry celebration last Sunday. We had a great time coming together. Uh, we affirmed uh, our new elders. We affirmed our budget. We spent a great time uh, worshiping and celebrating together. And we heard some great stories about where God has been at work this past year. And then we've heard some great stories about where we're expecting and anticipating him to work as we move into this new year. I just want to encourage you that if you have a story you'd like to share at Springbrook, we would love the opportunity to celebrate that with you. Uh, you can go to springbrook.org slash stories, so there's a place for you to let us know if you've got a story, but we'll love the opportunity to talk with you. Or maybe you just go to our website and just you know, text me and say, hey, I've got a story I want to share. We'd love the opportunity to let you uh, share what God's doing in your life um, with our congregation. It's such an encouragement um, to hear where God's working. In fact, we have a video story that we're going to share with you this morning that we watched at our annual meeting. Let's watch that together. Laura Schweber. I'm the Connections Director here at Springbrook Church. Um, Myself and my family have come to Springbrook for the last 24 years about. Uh, We started at Lake in the Hills. Um, I was a believer but had not been to church in so very long. My husband was not a believer. My kids were one in five. Uh, My husband and um, my son and daughter uh, became believers here. We all were baptized here. It was just you know, a turning point in our life. Um, That's one of the reasons I love being the Connections Director is when new people come through, I love to talk with them and share with them how special Springbrook is. And I 
like to try to get them connected with others and, and make sure they know about Jesus. And it's just been a real gift to me that um, God has allowed me to be in this position. So this year, of course, has been a bit different for uh, most people in their jobs, in their home life, and it's no different here at Springbrook. My job changed drastically. Um, instead of being in person where I could be talking with people and sharing part of my story with them and welcoming them into Springbrook, um, all of a sudden I was in charge of an online uh, host team and they're wonderful and it's been great, but it's been very different. All the people behind the scenes that got that streaming together, I thank you very much. It's, you know, there's times where things just all of a sudden quit working and, and it's stressful. and. I just am so appreciative of all the volunteers that it's taken to get us to this point. Um, so back to the online hosting, that's a whole new thing. And um, we were so excited once we saw a name, sign up for starting point, Amy Owens. And we had no idea who this person was. And so we got to see her face over Zoom and, and, and learn a little bit about her. And she was learning about us. Well, God had called to her and he had said, you know, you need to get back at church. And so she Googled and she found Springbrook and um, she started watching us online. We had no idea. And then, you know, now she thinks, you know, as Springbrook as her home church. She is excited to be here. She now does come in person um, and also continues sometimes when there's a blizzard to watch online or when it's so cold. We have those options in place now. And so we've gone from not having a real online presence to having this online presence and having to figure out how do you work through making community for these people? How do you engage with them? Uh, my team and I talk about that all the time, community and engagement, and uh, we want those people to have what we have here. Of course, it's different, and we hope they'll eventually come like Amy did, but we're just so excited about this new ministry, and um, we're just praying it will get better and better. We're praying for more volunteers, and um, it's just, it's been an exciting year it's been a stressful year but i don't know any other place that i'd rather do it with than springbrook Amen. <laughs> well i just want to thank you for your faithfulness in your giving we took a mid-year offering up enabled us to uh to purchase the video equipment to move our ministry online and uh that went very smoothly um, I just want to thank our production team. Pastor Matt and our production team did a great job um, just putting that all together. And uh, I am so happy with the way that that has uh, come together. If you're watching online with us this morning, we want you to know that is our intention to try to get to engage and get to know you a little bit better. I hope that through your time watching, you'll get to know Springbrook a little bit better. Uh, but our goal is to really reach our community for Christ and to build passionate disciples. And our online ministry has definitely put us into a position to be able to effectively reach our community. And so if you're watching online this morning, uh, we're glad you're watching. We hope that when you're comfortable or when you're ready, uh, you'll feel comfortable coming in and joining us in person. Because we love getting together and celebrating and worshiping uh, God. Amen. 
Well, we're getting ready to kick off a new series today. It's going to be a five-week series uh, through the book of Leviticus as we move towards um, Easter. The book of Leviticus is going to help us have a good understanding for what we're going to be celebrating on Good Friday and Easter. And if uh, you have not visited our website yet, we've got the information for our Good Friday service up already. Um, We're going to be meeting right here at 5.30 and 7.00. We'll have pre-registration available for that. Our Good Friday service is a special time uh, for us to be able to come together as we prepare ourselves for that special Sunday morning on Easter. Today, we're kicking off this five-week series through Leviticus. And I got to tell you, how many of you have had an opportunity to read Leviticus? If you've ever had an opportunity to read through that, it can be somewhat of a challenging book. Um, I'm doing the uh, read through the Bible this year, and I just finished up reading Leviticus, and it was it was so funny because when you get to Leviticus, you start reading, and you're you're kind of grasping for handles on how to try to understand the book, aren't you? I know that uh, the first couple of times I engaged Leviticus when I was younger, when I was a kid, um, if you've ever picked up a children's study Bible, uh, it really not a lot from Leviticus in the children's study Bible, not a lot of goats and animals and bulls' blood getting spread all over the altar in a children's Bible, is there? I remember when I was uh, younger, I got my family, my mom got me a, a little Bible, and, and uh, so I started reading through it, and I read through Genesis and had some good stories, and then I got to Leviticus, and it was like, thump. <laughs> How do you engage with that book? What is it all about? I tried skipping through Leviticus, and I went to Numbers, and then it's like, another thump. <laughs> you know, sometimes when you're reading through the Bible, it's kind of difficult to try to figure out, you know, what am I supposed to be getting out of this? You know, Leviticus is filled with laws. It's filled with laws, but it's just a whole series of things that we're supposed to be doing. And, and so it's kind of like reading through, I don't know, reading through government laws or something. You're reading through this, and it's like, what am I supposed to do with this? Now, here's the good news about Leviticus. We're going to fast forward to the end here. Jesus has fulfilled all those laws. Isn't that great? And so it's good to know that as you're reading down through this, it's like, oh, thank you. Because I read down through that, it's like, man, I am so glad I don't have to do the stuff that's written in Leviticus, aren't you? You know, Jesus has fulfilled the law. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, it says this. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law. In other words, the law is still valid. It hasn't gone away. It's still there. Jesus says, I have come not to abolish the law of the prophets. I have come to fulfill them. And so all those laws that we're reading, when you're reading down through Leviticus, you need to know all those laws have been fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And that's something to celebrate. You know, it's a praise. There's different types of laws when you're reading through Leviticus. As you're reading down through, there's ceremonial laws that talk about how to, how to clean and be clean and what happens when you're unclean. And there's talks about sacrifices and it talks about dietary restrictions. And it's just filled with all these laws. And it's good to know that Jesus has fulfilled those. There's ceremonial laws. There's civil laws that talk about how to handle crimes and punishment. There's moral and ethical laws as we look at things like the Ten Commandments. There's 613 laws that are, you'll find in the first five books of the Bible. 613 laws for us to be able to have to look at. They're all summarized in those first five books. We call those the book of the law, the book of Moses or the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books. But starting with Genesis, we see the creation account. We see God creates the heavens and the earth. He creates man, and and we see man fall into a sinful condition. Turns his back on God, and as a result, is separated from God. 
That story is told in uh, Genesis, and then we see the birth of the Israelite nation in Genesis. We see them start to grow, and their population gets so large that there's a famine in the land. It forces them to move up to Egypt, and they begin to grow, and they get so big that Pharaoh wants to put them under rule so they don't get out of control, and they enter into slavery. And so that's the story that unfolds in Genesis. As you move into Exodus, that tells the whole story about the Israelites' delivery from slavery. And then you move into Leviticus. After they have been released from their slavery, as you move into Leviticus, you see the construction of the tabernacle. And there's all kinds of ceremonies and instructions that God's people are going to have to follow now that they've been led out of this captivity. And then as you move into the book of Numbers, we see the instructions for them as they have to go through the wilderness. And then Deuteronomy finishes up with with Moses' final instructions before he would die and turn over leadership um, to Joshua. In the book of Exodus... See, the Israelites will leave uh, Egypt. They're going to cross the Red Sea. And then in Exodus 19, they arrive at Mount Sinai. And they're at Mount Sinai from Exodus 19 all the way through Leviticus, all the way to Numbers 10. And as you look at all these laws, all 613 laws are given in these first five books. Almost 60% of them occur just in the book of Leviticus at the at the Mount Sinai, at the base of Mount Sinai when they're in, where they're camped. And so they're sitting at Sinai, they're camped there, and, and Moses gets some instructions from God on all these different laws. And, and to start things off, you know, Moses would end up going up to Sinai um, eight times. He'd make eight trips up to the top of the mountain to get these instructions from God. In Exodus 19, he goes up four times. We see the first three times he goes up, he goes up first to establish the covenant between God and his people. And God offers him this covenant. And so he goes down and the people accept the covenant. So Moses goes back up and says, hey, we accept the covenant. We want you to be our God and, and, and we will be your people. And so the covenant is accepted. Then he goes up the third time and it's a sealed deal. This covenant is now sealed. And at the end of that third visit, after the covenant is sealed, their thunder and the lightning occurs. The things shake. People are scared. You know, this covenant is confirmed in this huge imagery uh, that you see in Exodus 19. And then we, and we see that there's this trumpet that blows, and people are in fear of God at this point. And so Moses goes back up to the top of the mountain. He goes up the fourth time, and God gives him some instructions that says, hey, this place is holy. No one's allowed to come up here except for you. And so he gives him instructions about how to have this relationship with him on the mountain. And then he verbally gives him the Ten Commandments. As you move into this, he comes back down, he goes back up. The fifth time uh, that he goes back up uh, in Exodus 20, he gets this whole list of laws. And all those laws are reflected in Exodus chapter 21 through 23. A whole list of laws that God uh, has for his people. So he comes back down, he goes back up, and then he gets the stone tablets. And so the Ten Commandments are put in, in, into stone. He gets instructions at that point to build the tabernacle, the ark, uh, the priestly garments, and the courtyard. And Moses gets all the instructions for how to build this tabernacle. And he's only gone up five times. He comes back down, and no sooner does he get back down there than the people got tired of waiting, and they made the golden calf. And so that's where the golden calf occurs. And people have rebelled. They've turned their back on God. Right after they made the covenant with them, they've already turned their back on God. That's a theme that you see throughout Scripture. People are constantly turning their back on God, and you see the prophets, and you see God's Word today now that's trying to pull people back to what God would have for them. He goes back up in Exodus chapter 32 to intercede on their behalf, to ask for forgiveness on their behalf. He gets that, and uh, the golden calf incident's behind him. He goes back up 
uh, the last time, the eighth time, and he gets the, the Ten Commandments. And so all these trips ups and down, uh, Moses is getting some instructions for how to build the tabernacle, the temple court, and he's getting the Ten Commandments. I can't wonder, every time I think about all those trips up and down, I can't think, man, if he had a Fitbit. <laughs> That's a lot of steps. That's a lot of climbing up and down, up and down. And so Moses is really getting a workout. But it's through this process that he gets all the instructions and gets some laws for how we're to have a relationship with God's people. When you get to Exodus chapter 35, um, we see that the uh, Israelites take up, up, up a collection. They take up a collection for the, uh, to build the tabernacle, to build the ark, to build the priestly garments, and to build this court. And so we get all the instructions. They, they put all these things together. The building commences. And they get the, everything built, and everything's ready to go. And at the very end of Exodus, the last verse, we see the cloud that was up in the mountain. God's presence that was up in the mountain comes down and descends into the tent of meeting. The cloud covered now the tent of meeting. The glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And so God's presence has moved from Mount Sinai into this tabernacle. And it's there that people will now be able to worship and have this relationship with God. That's going to be able to play out. The details for how to have this relationship with him, the details, now that his presence is now in the tabernacle, all the details for how we're to have a relationship with God are now going to be spilled out in the book of Leviticus. That's what the book of Leviticus is all about. It's really an important book because it's in Leviticus that we see God teaches his people how to live in a relationship with him based on this covenant relationship and his, te- and his presence in the tabernacle. You see, this sacrificial system which was the means of God's grace that by faith, the relationship between God and humanity could be restored and they could experience a relationship with God. And Leviticus spells out how to have this relationship. Leviticus can be broken up into five major sections. You've got chapters 1 through 7, which talk about the sacrifices for sin and how to have restored relationship with God and with others. That's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at section 1. We're going to look specifically at the burnt offerings in chapter 1. But uh, 1 through 7 talk about the sacrifices that are needed for sin and to repair relationships. When you go into 8 through 10, you see the priest will intercede on behalf of the people. And so you see priestly intercession, how to rightly worship God. As you move into 11 through 15, we're going to talk about how to handle impurity. You know what happens when somebody's impure? How do you handle that? Chapter 16 talks about the sin offering for all the people. That's where you hear the story about the scapegoat. You ever heard the story about the scapegoat? Lay their hands on, they send him out in the wilderness. That happens in Exodus or in Leviticus 16. And as you move into the back half of the book, 17 through 27 are a series of laws for how we're to live a godly life. And so Leviticus spells out how to have a relationship with God. He talks about the sacrifices and how to have this relationship Today, we're going to focus specifically on Leviticus chapter 1, where we're going to be looking at the burnt offerings. We're going to be talking about the payment that's required for sin. We're going to talk about our devotion to God and how we relate to one another. And so we're going to look specifically at uh, the burnt offerings. But there's four other offerings that happen in Leviticus as well. We have the grain offering, which is where we give thanks to God. The grain offering is just out of his goodness and his provision. We, We bring a grain offering to celebrate and to give him thanks. There's a peace offering 
That's how we, how we just give thanks for our relationship with him, for the fellowship that we have with him and each other. It's a grace and a peace offering in relationships between one another. So it talks about how we relate to one another and how we relate to God in fellowship. It was all covered in the peace offerings. The sin offering is the purification for unintentional sin. Sometimes there's things that we do and we don't know we do them. Well, it's a sin offering that you can offer up. It covers all the things that you didn't know you did that you need a sacrifice for. And then the guilt offering is the one where it's a, repar- uh, a reparation or it's a forgiveness for sins against one another. So if I've sinned you or if I've wronged you, um, I, can bring a, I can bring a sin offer, a guilt offering up, and I can ask for forgiveness, and this offering covers uh, that wrong. And so the guilt offerings are all spelled out in uh, the back half of Leviticus uh, chapter 5 through 7. Today we want to look specifically at these, these burnt offerings. You know, the, each one of these offerings were for the Israelites to explore and to enjoy fully this covenant relationship with God. But all these laws have been fulfilled, and I'm so glad that they've been fulfilled. There's some lessons that we're going to learn from them this morning, but beginning in Hebrews 10, uh, verse 4, uh, Jesus says this, about, speaking about Jesus, by a single offering, Jesus has perfected all of us. He's made us holy before God for all time for those who are being sanctified. In our, in our work, as we grow towards Christ-likeness, the work of God that Jesus is doing in us makes us right before him. And the Holy Spirit bears witness of this. For after saying this, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I'm going to put my laws on their hearts and I'm going to write it in their minds. This is the new covenant. He says, and then he adds this, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer any need for sin offerings. There's no longer a need for us to take these offerings up before God because Christ has fulfilled those requirements and he is now our sin offering. If you have a relationship with Jesus, your sins have been forgiven. If it hadn't been for Jesus, when you came in this morning, I'd be looking to see what animals you brought with you. And we'd have a big old celebration up here, and this stage would look completely different than it does right now. But because of what Christ accomplished for us on the cross, there's no longer any offering that needs to be taken up for sin. And so that's what we're going to find in Leviticus. If you have a Bible with you, let's read through chapter 1 together. If you're watching online... There's a place down at the bottom, there's a little tab you can click, it says Bible, uh, so you can open up your Bible online or if you're watching with uh, your device. Um, let's read through Leviticus chapter 1 this morning, and then we're going to look at three important lessons uh, that we want to look at in terms of how this applies for us today. Beginning in Leviticus chapter 1, it says this, the Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd of the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the, bill, kill the bull before the Lord. And then Aaron and the priest shall bring the blood and throw it against the sides of the altar. That is their entrance to the tent of meeting. Then they shall fillet the burnt offerings into cut pieces. And the sons of Aaron and the priest shall put fire on the altar and arrange the wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head 
and the fat and the wood that is on the fire on the altar, its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma unto the Lord. If his gift of a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or the goats, he shall bring a male without blemish, and he shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And Aaron's son, sons, the priest, shall throw its blood against the side of the altar. And he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat, and the priest shall arrange them on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But the entrails and the legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall offer all of it on the burnt, burn it all on the altar. It's a burnt offering, a food offering, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his offering to the Lord is an offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. And the priest shall bring it to the altar and wring its head and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained on the side of the altar. He shall remove its crop with its contents. That crop's that little gullet thing that they eat and they hold stuff in. It's like when your kids have a mouthful of food and they run around the house and you're like, swallow that food. He shall remove the crop with its contents and, and, and cast it out beside the altar on the other side for the place for ashes. He shall tear it open by its wings, but he shall not sever it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar. All the wood that is on the fire is a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. There's some pretty detailed instructions that uh, God has provided uh, Moses in Leviticus 1. And when I read down through that, I can't help but be grateful for the hope that I have in Christ. Just looking down through that and knowing that Christ has satisfied the requirement for all those offerings. Let's open our time in prayer and then let's look at some lessons we can learn together. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the things that we can learn uh, through this book of Leviticus. You know, at first glance, it seems to be somewhat complicated. But God, I just pray that you would open our eyes this morning for what you would have for us. There are some lessons in here that apply for us today. And I pray that you would capture our hearts and our minds for you and for your glory. And I just want to lift our time up to you this morning as we start to work into these principles. God, we just want to pray that you would continue to reveal to us your holiness, that we might be brought into a right relationship with you through your son. And we lift our time up to you in Christ's name. Amen. Well, there's a couple of lessons that we can learn um, just from those few verses in this first chapter. The first lesson I want to just look at for a moment is, is that when we're worshiping God, we are to bring our best to him. True worship brings what is best. You know, God tells Moses to tell the people to bring a male, bring a male bull. And this is not some kind of a statement on gender equality, like males are better than females. This is an uh, agricultural farm animal thing. You know, typically bulls are bigger, they're a little bit stronger, they're able to pull more, and, and so they have a little bit more value. And so when God looks out at the herd, he says, look, bring your bull, the one that's of value. You know, bring it. And not just bring any male, but bring a male without blemish. Verse 3 says, bring a male without blemish. You see that out blemish is really important. You see that in verse 3, and then you see it over in, in verse 10 as well. We're to bring our animals that are, that are in really good shape, without blemish. There's nothing wrong with them to bring a male bull without blemish. Bring your best. And if you also notice, there's kind of a series of what to bring. If you don't have a bull, bring sheep or goats. If you don't have those, bring a turtle dove. And so, in other words, don't bring a bird if you have a sheep. 
And so don't cut corners there. You know, if you've, if you've got a sheep, don't, don't bring a bird. And if you, and if you have a bull, then, then, then don't bring a sheep. Bring a bull. Bring your best. And don't bring, a, bring old Betsy that's out in the back pasture that's 80 years old that's about ready to die. <laughs> you know, bring your best bull to the altar so that it can be sacrificed. It seems like a simple instruction, but one that is constantly being tripped up. I mean, the Israelites just can't get it together. They're constantly trying to f- figure out how to cut corners. And that's something typical, isn't it? We're always trying to figure out how to do the minimum. And you see that all throughout Scripture with God's people. As you read through the prophets, as you read through the Bible, it's constantly prophets telling people, look, come back to the Lord. Honor God in a right way. Bring your best. In Isaiah chapter 1 Isaiah chapter 1 opens up. It's a, it's a book that just points to Christ. We love Isaiah. It's one that we go through at Christmas. Isaiah is a, is a fascinating book. When you open it up, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, talks about the vision that Isaiah has. And then in verse 2, it starts talking about the wickedness of God's people. It says, Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. The children that I have raised up, that I have brought up, they have rebelled against me. Verse 4, a sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken their Lord. They despise the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly uh, estranged. Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of your God, you people of Gomorrah. Sodom and Gomorrah, it's a reference to Sodom and Gomorrah, how bad it is. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of well-fed, well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or in the lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you this trampling of my courts, bring no more vain offerings. In sense, is an abomination to me. What is a vain offering? Don't bring things when your heart's not right. Don't bring things when you're cutting corners. Don't bring things that are second best. Bring me your best. And so as you read through Scripture, you see these these prophets are are constantly trying to bring God's people back to himself. In Malachi chapter 1, the same thing. The The son honors his father, a servant his master. I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear, says the Lord of hosts? O priests who despise my name, but you say, how we despise your name? By offering polluted food up at my altar. You say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer your blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? When you offer up those that are lame and sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept or show you favor? Bring your best. Don't bring your lame, blind, old, decrepit animals that you're trying to get rid of. You know, it's not uncommon for us to want to hold back the best for ourselves. But if we want to be true worshipers of God, if we want to be true worshipers, we need to bring what is best. True worship brings what is best that's the example that Jesus gives us in Luke 21. He talks about the widow's mighty. Jesus looks up and he sees rich men giving, giving their gifts 
into the offering box. But then he sees a poor widow, and she puts in two small copper coins. And he says this, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they contributed out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. She gave, she put in all that she had to live on. You see, the lesson here about worship is about bringing your best. Is it, it, It's not about the quantity. You know, we don't, we don't compare. It's not about um, what you bring or how much you bring. It's, it's really about what you hold back. You know, do we bring God our best? And if we're going to be a true worshiper of God, we need to bring him our best. And that's the first lesson that we see from Leviticus chapter 1. True worship brings what is best. The second lesson that we can find here is that God is holy, and without him, we are not. God is holy and perfect, and we are not. You know, the Hebrew word for holy or holiness occurs almost 80 times just in the book of Leviticus. God is concerned about his holiness. In fact, the theme of Leviticus is really all about God's holiness and our separation and our need for a sacrifice, right? God is holy. That's the theme of the book. You cannot make sense of Leviticus. In fact, you can't make sense of the Bible without understanding that God is holy and perfect. And we are not. We're separated from him. That story happens in Genesis. And that theme is throughout the whole law, the whole rule of Scripture. God is holy and we are not. We're separated from him. And until you understand that, you can't make sense of what you're reading. And that is a problem for us today. I don't know how many of you have ever used the, uh, the bridge diagram or seen the bridge diagram. You know, we talk to people about their need for a relationship with God. We say, God is holy and he's on this side and, and we're not. There's this gap in the middle. It's a great analogy. It's true. But one of the problems that we have today is, is that people don't see the gap. It's like, well, I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as this other person. I go to church. I'm a good person. We don't see that all of us are unholy. We're, we're all unclean. We're all separated from God. And that gap is wider than you can imagine. It's really small on that piece of paper, but I don't know how far you can throw a rock. I might be able to throw a rock to the end of the building, but nobody's going to throw a rock from here all the way down to Carpentersville. I mean, there's a limit to how far you can go. The gap is wider than that. We've got this huge gap between God's holiness and our unholiness, and people today just don't see that. Leviticus brings that truth out. We are separated from God. He is holy and we are not. You know, we have got to come to grips with that if we're fully going to understand and appreciate our need for a sacrifice. Our need for a sacrifice. Hebrews 9 brings this light to this gap. In Hebrews 9.22 it says, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Blood has to be shed in order for our sins to be forgiven. And if you want to grab the reality of that, what that looks like, all you have to do is look back to these verses and try to visualize for yourself. If you had brought your animal in this morning and we were up here cutting it up, what that would have looked like. Verse 5, he shall kill the bull before the Lord. Do you know how much blood is in a bull? 
He shall kill the bull, and Aaron and his sons, the priests, shall bring the blood, and they shall throw it against the sides of the altar. There'd be blood, and it's not just like it's spilling out. It's getting thrown. It is everywhere. These priestly garments were designed. There's blood everywhere. Can you imagine what that scene would be like? That's how big the gap is between God's holiness and every single one of ours condition of unholiness. It's spread all against the sides of the altar. That's at the entrance of the tent of meeting. Verse 11, he shall kill the, 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 the sheep or the goat. He shall kill it on the north side of the altar. And Aaron's sons and the priest shall what? Shall throw its blood all against the sides of the altar. Verse 15, even if you've got a little bird, the priest shall bring it to the altar and it shall wring its head off. They shall wring its head off and they shall drain its blood out, squeeze its blood out by the side of the altar. Blood, that blood, that's necessary for us to see that and understand it. That's what's required in order for us to be able to approach a holy God. That's the gap that we all have between God and us. We need a blood sacrifice to close that gap. God is holy and we are not without his help. We need a substitute. And the good news is this, that God provides a substitute. The third lesson that we've learned from Leviticus is that there's a substitute available for our sin. That's the offering that they're offering up. That's a, that's a substitute. Look at verse 4 again. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Now, we're going to talk about atonement a little bit later in this series, but the act of going up and placing my hand on the head of an animal, it's a transfer of guilt. I'm transferring everything that's impure, everything that's unholy, everything that separates me from God, and I'm transferring it onto that animal. I have a substitute that is going to stand in my place, on my behalf, before God at the altar. And then that animal will go up and it will die and its blood will be shed for the forgiveness of those sins. It's a blood offering. It's a transfer. We need a substitute. And when that, when that, offering, when that offering is burnt on the altar, it says that it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Verse 9, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Verse 13, a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Verse 17, it's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Whatever the offering is that you're able to offer up your best in recognition of the fact that God is holy and you're not, whatever offering you offer up is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And I like to make that case for the fact that we need to have barbecues all the time because I love the smell of barbecue. That's not what God's talking about here. It's not as if he's up there sniffing the smell going, oh, that smells good. That's what I do. I love the smell of good barbecue. What God is saying here is is that that sacrifice is acceptable. It's pleasing to me in a sense that it's going to take care of your issue, your problem. It's acceptable. It's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Every one of us needs a substitute. That's what we find in Christ. Galatians 3.24 says this. So then the law, the law was our guardian until what? until Christ came, in order that we might be, what? Justified by faith. 
But now that faith has come, now that we have Jesus Christ, we are no longer under a guardian of the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are now sons of God through faith. Jesus was our substitute. And as we move towards Easter, each Sunday, we're going to be looking at a different aspect of where we see Jesus' fulfillment in Leviticus. And then we are going to have a huge celebration on Easter. Because that's what Easter was all about. The fact that he died on the cross for our sins. It sounds simple. It looks interesting when you've got the gap on the, on the little piece of paper. But he was our substitute. His blood was shed. And when you look at the crucifixion, when you look at what he went through on our behalf, you have more of an appreciation for what he was endured for us. That is something for us to celebrate. We are free in Christ. We are no longer bound by the law. We still need it. We're still bound by it. We're still bound on it. We still need it, but our fulfillment is now in Christ. We need the law. We don't get to go out and do whatever we want now because of Christ. And this is exactly what Paul writes about in Romans uh, chapter 7. What shall we say? That the law is sin? Do we not need the law anymore? By no means. But if it had not been for the law, I would not have known about my sin. I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet. We need the law so that we can understand our need for a Savior. We're still bound by it. It's still important. We just don't have to do the animal sacrifices anymore because of what Christ accomplished for us on the cross. That's the great news. Our freedom today comes from who we are in Christ. As Paul writes in Galatians uh, chapter 3, for as many of you as we were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's no slave. There's no free. There's no male. There's no female. For you are now all one in Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring according to his promise. That covenant, all those promises that were made are now ours because of who we are in Christ. That's great news. That's something to celebrate. That's what it means for us to come together as the body of Christ and offer up our worship. We offer up our best. Romans 12, we offer ourselves up as a fragrant offering unto the Lord. I wish I had time to develop that a little bit more. You are a fragrant offering unto the Lord. Your body, yourself, your person, when you offer it up to the Lord, is a fragrant offering. It's the exact same terminology that's used in Leviticus 1 about a fragrant offering being offered up to the Lord. That covenant promise that God will be our God and we will be his people is now found not in our sacrifices, but in the finished, accomplished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it's by grace that you've been saved. Through faith, there is nothing you can do. You can't offer up any sacrifices. You can't be good enough. There's nothing that you can do to earn God's favor. It's a gift of God not of works, so that no one can boast. A relationship with Christ is about understanding that God is holy, and we are not. That Jesus Christ paid the penalty for that sin as a sacrifice, fulfilling Leviticus chapter 1. And praise God, we don't have to do that today. But what we do have to do is we have to confess our, with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. We have to believe in our heart that, that God raised him from the grave. We have to believe in his resurrection and that when he comes back, he's going to come get us today. Christ is now the focus of who we worship. It's the focus of what we teach about. It's our goal at Springbrook to reach our community for Christ and to make passionate 
disciples that are growing in their faith, that are continuing to be sanctified and so that we can, so that we can offer up our best um, to God. The lessons from Leviticus this morning are not just about the sacrifices that we no longer have to worry about. The lessons from Leviticus this morning is that we need to bring our best when we worship. We need to remember that God is holy and without him, we are not. And we need a substitute that God alone provides. You know, this morning, if you have questions about what a relationship with Christ looks like, we would love the opportunity to talk with you. We have a baptism service coming up on March 14th. Um, we're going to be kicking off with our second 11 a.m. service on the 7th, on the 14th. Um, it's also daylight savings time, so don't, get, don't forget to spring forward. But we're going to have a, a celebration service on the 14th. And if you have questions about baptism or you want to participate, it's a great opportunity for you to bring yourself, bring your best, and offer yourself up before the Lord. And so if you've got questions about that, we'd love to talk with you. If you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, if you've never understood the separation between you and God, it's, it's a big one reflected by all that spilt blood. You need to understand that Jesus is the solution for that. If you don't have a relationship with Christ this morning, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about that as well. There's a, a place for you if you're online. There's a place you can go click that online connection card. Um, if you're uh, sitting in your chair, there should be a place in the back for you to say, hey, I want to know more about a relationship with Christ. I want to know more about baptism. You know, we want to help you to grow in your faith so that you can offer up your best before God. We would love the opportunity to help you um, with that. If you have questions about Christ, if you want to put your trust in him for the first time, if you're interested, you know, please let us know. If you're just trying to figure out how to connect here at Springbrook, we'd love the opportunity to help you do that. But be praying for our Easter service. We're going to continue going through this series on Leviticus. We're going to learn so much more about who Christ is as we prepare for celebrating Good Friday and Easter. And I hope that you'll continue with us as we move through this series. And then after Easter, we're going to be kicking off a new series on the revelation of Jesus Christ as we look at what we can anticipate with this second coming. And we hope you'll continue with us there as well. Thank you for being with us today. I hope you have a great day. Would you pray with me as we close our time together? Father, we just want to thank you for the gift of your son. God, thank you that we can stand before you and our current condition, our imperfect condition. So many times we feel like we have to clean ourselves up before we can come to you. But God, um, I thank you for Christ's sacrifice on the cross that puts us in right standing before you. God, that is a gift. That is not something to be taken lightly. Christianity is not a pastime. Uh, But God, I just thank you that we can approach you and come into your presence uh, because of who we are in Christ. I pray for my friends this morning that have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ. Maybe they're trying to figure out what church is all about. Um, God, I just pray that you would uh, draw them closer to yourself. No one comes to Christ unless the Father draws him. And so, God, I pray that you would draw people into relationship with yourself. I pray that you would grow us in our faith. Uh, God, that we would be uh, a pleasing aroma to you as we seek to live uh, your will out for our lives. God, we commit this day to you, and we look forward to all that you have for us. Look forward to what you have for us as we prepare to celebrate Easter. God, it's going to be a great celebration. And uh, God, I thank you for this time that we could share together this morning. We commit our day to you for your glory. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. And I want to thank you for being with us today. I hope that you have a fantastic afternoon. May the peace of God rest on you and your family as you enjoy your day. Thanks for being here.